don't buy the wrong property in the right location. Hi, I'm Sam Power. And I'm Jared Krause, and we're the hosts of the Property Pals Podcast Australia. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to find the right property once you've actually found the right location. So once you've got maybe one or two, three locations, uh, what you need to be looking for in either each of those locations to get the right property for you. And we also talk about comparing them. We talk about what amenities are important to be close to or far away from and why you should be in either of those proximities to those particular amenities. We also touch on uh, stories about you know, bad investments versus good investments um, that we've both seen and or been a part of, um, as well as assessing what costs you may be liable for um, as the owner of the property and um, you know, how to either remove those risks or um, transfer those risks through like, insurance and things like that. Yeah. Um, really key nuggets of gold, I, I think, are in this that uh, I hope everyone gets some good entertainment out of. Um, so, you know, it is a great episode and, um, yeah, you're going to love it. So listen on in and um, don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Hey, we're recording. We're on. We're on. on. Hey, pink background. Yeah, looking pretty. Pink and pretty, and in this pod, we're going to be talking about uh, how to choose the right property once you know the right location. So if you haven't listened to the podcast prior to this one, go back, listen to it, how to choose the right location. Now we're going to be talking about the asset selection. Yeah, it's the key part, I feel, anyway, because that's where a lot of people, they they find the location, uh, and then they feel that, oh, it's the growth location. I just have to buy a new property in that location that's going to do well. And the answer is, yeah, it will increase over time for sure. However, I want to get that extra 20% of the the search criteria and go deeper because it's going to enhance your, I guess, capital growth over time because they have higher owner-occupier appeal locations. So, yeah, let's jump in. Yeah. There's so – there's a lot in this actually. (laughs) Yeah, we'll, 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 get, we'll get through it. I'll probably be less uh, uh, tangential in that way where I'll just stick to the, the few things I want to cover because they're really important mm. and um, it's where I see a lot of people go wrong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've gone from 15,000 suburbs, we've found the one, or maybe there's two or three that we're looking at yeah. around Australia, say asset size 500K investment property. Um what what's the first thing you look at when you go to like you if you've got three of those locations and you choose one, what's the first thing you start doing? You open up realestate.com.au, do you? And then you start looking through assets. Yeah. And what are the things that we need to look at for these assets? Like, is it okay, if I've got five hundred K, what sort of property can I buy mm-hmm. in terms of how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, car space, land size? Is that a thing that you should be looking at first? Oh yes. I've hit on a few good points there. So. <laughs> Right. I'll, I'll uh, open that one up. Let's let's jump in. So, uh, 
first thing I generally do is you're looking at all these different properties. Um, they're either on market or they're pre or they're off market. Depends mm. on your relationships with the agents in that area. But mm. um, you'll get sent all these different types of properties. A lot of them may look the same, but they're in different locations. So I'll start with the, um, I guess the the type of location within that say suburb you want to focus in on, and then we'll look at the property type itself. Okay. So, so the where so location within the suburb basically. Yeah. So what yeah. I mean by that is um, you with with investing and even with owner occupier stuff like you want to enhance your. Uh, owner-occupier appeal mm-hmm. uh, and what I talk about that is if you ever go to sell the property um, regardless of what market it is in if you're in a high demand you know, street pocket in that suburb it's gonna be able to there'll be demand for it basically is my point so and also when you sell a property even if it's an investment property likely the likelihood of you selling to an owner-occupier is probably higher than uh, investor, right? Yep. Yep. So you, and also investor wants the right location for somebody to live. So you're trying to find a location that is great for a family or that person who wants that type of asset to live in. So things around it need to be great resources and things for them, right? So what are those? What are, what are we looking at there? Yeah, so I read a few off. So quiet streets are really important. I love cul-de-sacs. Um, mm. Kids. Yeah, as a parent myself now, I fully understand it. Yeah. But um, they generally have a higher, uh, I guess, demand rate because it's more private, um, less crime. You live in a cul-de-sac. Yeah. I live in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, it's so awesome. They're great. Yeah. You can play footy on the street. Yeah, yeah. Shoot basketball hoops. Yeah, no three roads. Yeah, they're really good. Um, and, you know, low public housing levels are important. We spoke about that in the last podcast a bit. But um, obviously... Having the lower public housing, you've got a better, I guess, quality of either surrounding tenants or own occupiers mm-hmm. that are going to look after their property, which is going mm-hmm. to increase that sort of like that net wealth in that area. So your streetscape, etc. Um, another key point is don't buy on roundabouts. Those um, they've just got high traffic flow, and also there's you know kids out there that do burnouts, and it's just a <laughs> crap place to live. So your tenant turnover will be higher. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I mean, corner blocks. There's there's a debate around that. Depends on what your strategy is. Mm. If you're looking for a um, you know, potential subdivision play, corner blocks can be really great because they've got a larger uh, road frontage. However, with that larger road frontage, also comes increased traffic flow. So mm. have a strategy going in on that one. Um, transport and schools are a big thing too. So. Okay. People do like that ease of access to amenity is quite key. So yeah. imagine as a as a buyer, owner, occupier, or a renter, being able to be you know very close to school and allowing their children to ride to school or walk to school. That's so much easier for the yeah. parents, right? Yeah. Well, we did that. Didn't yeah. We? Yeah, we did. Ride, ride to school. <laughs> We've got a few funny stories <laughs> there that we maybe shouldn't share. Oh yeah, your kids running around. But, yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time on our push bikes. Yeah, too. remember the time you, you actually didn't pedal to school? Oh, to... yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember the time I wrote, so I had that yellow cruiser bike yeah. and I worked out a way that I could move the bike and not pedal and still. And what about the other bike that I had that was, 
um, that clown bike. Oh, the monkey bike. Yeah, it took yeah. me like an hour to get to school. <laughs> Chicks loved it, though, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was putting that in the black rack at school. People were like, are you joking? Yeah, this guy's a dick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, it was, it was good fitness for you, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> Basically, it was probably what wouldn't even mean a metre long. Yeah, it was about a metre long. Mm. It, it, it got a lot of attention from friends and family and yeah, it was just it was a it was a clown bike it was funny but aside from that that's that's i guess it's it's important to know like we our parents bought in a location that was great for us to grow up in and yeah. that's something that's that's important for asset selection yeah and uh i mean over time gentrification comes through and you know the like the rental yields generally um, are higher on the places we're trying to invest in for yeah. A lot of investors that are seeking you know, either neutral cash flow or positive cash flow. Mm. Um, and, but then over time, because there's more owner occupiers come through, prices go up, rents generally don't um, follow where the prices go. Um, so look at Sydney, the yield sit around 2%, whereas, say, on the Gold Coast here, they sit around 4%. Mm. Um, that's just like Sydney used to be you know, around that 4% range as well. So that's just the way it, it generally works. Um, yeah, getting into sort of like that, I guess, where to buy in that, say, suburb, um, those are, are pretty key um, areas that I, I definitely focus in on. Um, and then there's also the, I mean, the biggest risk for uh, your asset is going to be flood risk, in my opinion. Um, mm. So don't buy in flood zones. People quickly forget. Uh, it's very easy to check it online. So you can check the local government area. Fire zones? Yep, flood. Fire, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, that's sort of like my main investing principles are no flood, no fire. Okay. Uh, heritage can limit your... Um, What's heritage? Just for everybody listening. So there's... What's a, her- a heritage zone? Right? Yeah, so um, councils put heritage zonings over properties to keep the, uh, I guess, aesthetic appeal of that location. So mm-hmm. if you go and buy and it's got a heritage overlay uh, on the property, then you won't be able to do certain things to that property from a renovation perspective. In oh. um, some like older houses, it might just be that you know, you've got to keep that, I guess, facade and that can be quite expensive to maintain. and um, Or sell. Yeah, not everyone's looking for that because they want the new shiny you know, knockdown rebuild and that you can't do that with that heritage. And maybe not everybody wants to rent in that. Investment that you might buy in that area. Too. It's, it's not too common um, unless you're in sort of Sydney, Melbourne, where they've got that um, older like apartment block sort of thing. Oh, no. <coughs> houses, basically. Yeah, they got like a really. It's a beautiful facade and it sort of holds the heritage of that area. But um, they're like those properties with the stone, big stone fences and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 things like that. Like old sandstone board built in like the 1900s or even yeah. um, late 1800s. Yeah, so you're sort of. You know what I'm talking about if you ever try to buy a property that has a heritage overlay and then you realize, crap, I can't do what I want to do on this property and by then it's too late and then you're going to try and sell it and then if the market shifted or you come to realize that people don't actually really want to buy them too much. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're pretty key. And then um, easements as well. Easements, what are, what are those? Uh, they're <laughs> access. So um, an easement gives you uh, its... A portion of that land um, is required. An easement's like a clearing, right? Yeah, the clearing and the clearing has a particular 
responsibility in case of a dangerous uh, weather event or what's no so an easement like you can have access easements so people can use your land to get to their land uh, um, so it could be so that's not attractive for a tenant or, um, or it's just it, say you've got a thousand square meter block of land and there's a hundred square meter easement on it you're really buying 900 square meters. Ah, uh, yeah. And also, if there's an access easement to the rear of the property, people are driving down the side of your property, so it's less desirable. Mm -hmm. Other thing too for easements are like um, water and electricity. So if you're looking at that from a, if you want to knock down that house and rebuild, you're going to be constrained with what you can do on the land because there's easements that are around it, and those easements are, uh, I guess, they're put there by the, the government the council to restrict what you can do on it because they've got their underlying infrastructure below that land. Yeah. So um, that constrains what you can do on it and it's less attractive. A lot of people do get caught up in that because they don't look, but um, most contractor sales have your, um, they'll have a, all contractor sales will have a title search on it. So read those title search and seek out those easements and ask those questions to the real estate agent. You need to pay for a title search and there's different places that you can go and pay for those title searches. If you're doing it yourself, typically a solicitor will do this yeah. or a conveyancer. Yeah. Um, your real estate agent, they'll, they'll know. Yeah. It'll be on the contract, so read through that and um, ask the questions. What about living next to power plants? They're really healthy for you, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're very undesirable. Yeah. Um, and in, in low supply markets like we're in at the moment and then um, when the demand's increasing, mm. people are just trying to find places to live. So they're starting to make um, sacrifices. Yeah. Don't sacrifice on easements. Don't uh, sacrifice on your health. Yeah, and health. So power, power plants. Sorry, like, easements, yeah, but yeah, health. A really great example. So um, we're looking at buying a, a house for a client in Brisbane and I was looking at a comparable sale. It had a power plant at the back of it. It was only, like it only bordered it by two meters on the, the back boundary. However, initially they had a contract of 866,000 for this property and then it, it fell over. The developer was like, no, I don't want it, the back, that big power plant. Mm -hmm. um, and then another owner occupier came in, they were paying 811. And then the power plant came through and like, oh, actually no, we don't want that. End up selling $750,000. The power plant, so hang on, so, the developer said no, and then owner occupier got uh, eight hundred eleven approved. Well, I, I put a co uh, contract on place for eight eleven, and then the power plant said what? The power plant said nothing, but it's just that once they went in, they got under contract, and they realised, oh, hold on, actually, that's not what I want to pay, and all the comparable evidence is pointing probably that the house would be worth um, sort of low eight hundreds. Mm. Uh, however, that power plant. It, it ended up saving 750 so essentially that's a you know, $70,000. How did they get it from eight, a contract of sale from 811 down to 750 They exited and then the next buyer came in oh, okay. and they said, well, I'm only going to pay 750 because of that. Yeah, got you. So in yeah. their eyes, they thought, well, it's a good deal. We're buying essentially under market value. But in reality, when you go to sell that, it's going to be the same problem. Yep. And Council's not going to be moving a power station anytime soon. Kicking the can down the road. Yeah, basically. so that's pretty key. Also, with um, from a valuation perspective, uh, we used to, they still do, they risk up properties. So banks will only lend to a maximum 80% loan-to-value ratio if you're within 50 metres of a high clearance power. Oh, that's really good to know. 
because if you have pre-approval for 90% LVR, you can't, sometimes you not, might not be able to buy something that's in that area. Yeah, you'd fall over on finance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's a key point. Um, I mean, what are the health prospects? You know, my wife would say, don't ever buy near a power station. Yep. Uh, my grandma, she she reached 100 the other week. Oh, congrats. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, she's 100, but yeah. she, apparently she used to live under power lines. So yeah. What was it, the 28th or 29th of April, her birthday? No, it was um, 28th of March. March, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah month, next couple months ago. Anyway, yeah. time flies when you're 100. Far <laughs> <laughs> out. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be 100 one day. Well, time has, yeah, definitely. But yeah, so there, there's some key things on the location uh, of that asset. Yeah. So from the land perspective that yeah. I wanted to cover off. Um, yeah. So really important to understand. The last thing would be the topography. Mm. Another, another fancy word that, what, do we, what does it mean? Yeah. It's what just the, the sloping of the land, basically. Okay. Um, so living like on a hill or buying on a hill has its, you can get, you can get it maybe cheaper but it might be a bit more costly to renovate or build on or extend and, yep. and resell. Yeah. But what else is that? I know that there's another thing you need to mention around those as well. Well, with the topography, like so there's the sloping blocks, right? Um, you build a house on it, it is, like land still moves, right? Like even if you pour a big concrete slab, you see that concrete slab sinking. So land. an investment property that's already, you're buying, it's, it's, it's already like a 10 year old house. Mm. That, that's and it still can possibly there's all houses move, move yeah right? like yeah. The, the, well, the land they, moves yeah so and they construct the house to be able to move you know slightly because mm. if they if they didn't then you'd get cracking everywhere mm. um that's why you got the frame and the facade during that brick so um my point being here is that the potential maintenance costs are higher on sloping blocks because of i guess the the pressure that um the house is under to be you know, propped up on the side of a hill. It's yeah. kind of common sense on, on that front. Or not even the house, right? Like a retaining wall retaining needs, wall. a retaining wall depreciates, mm -hmm. right? So it's going to need, it might need maintenance. So that might be something to check during your due diligence. Yeah, and that was one of, it. I think a good point. One of your ones, um, it was on a, it was cut and filled in. So they cut, the developer cut it through. So this was, they built it back in 2010. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like when you get those retaining walls of timber, uh, that just scares me because they um, decay a lot faster. I was staying at somebody's house a couple of months ago and looking out the window, the timber easement or not easement, yeah, the, retaining, the wall. retaining wall was no longer existent and it was just dirt. And it was about 500 mil or like yeah, half a meter from the actual dwelling of the house from the neighbor's block to... Uh, of the retaining wall to the house, and they were they were renting in that in that that home, and the the owner had not not done any like follow up on their their neighbour having to resolve that, and it's that's a huge risk, you know. You you, you get flooding they, or something, or yeah. a lot of lot of rain. You can well, it's in a, it's it's on a sloping block as well, and also and that that retaining wall is sloping down towards their that dwelling. If you if if I was the owner of that house and that property, you'd want to make sure you've got a good relationship or things put in place to make sure that your neighbour is making sure that that retaining wall is solid, right? Yeah. And each 
each state actually has different um, rulings mm. around who's responsible for that retaining wall. Oh, okay. So Queensland uh, is if their land is encroaching your land, um, it's for for them to fix. In South Australia, it's the opposite. It's the opposite way around. Oh. Uh, from what I've what I've learned, I've got obviously property in South Australia, and um, I was just asking my real estate agent, well, am I responsible if um, you know that retaining wall breaks? And he said, no, it's it's their retaining wall benefiting their land because it's not it's giving them more space. Mm. But Queensland, they they look at it differently. Whereas if they're on the higher side and that retaining wall breaks down and it's pushing into your property, it's for them to. Um, Remedy, yeah, which is, I mean, I was surprised by that. That's what I mean. You learn something new every day, don't you? Yeah, and that's the, they're the questions you need to ask when you have found maybe, you know, something that's in a quiet street, cul-de-sac. It's 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 close to school, transport, not in a flood fire zone, but you might have that one thing there that you need to be checking through your due diligence before you purchase that asset. I think though, Sam. Like I, I, I want to dig into like maybe one or two stories that you might have around some assets that you have seen that look good from the get go, and I know that we've we've mentioned this one that I I just mentioned. You also mentioned the um, power plant one. Did you have any others where you're like, oh, it looks good, but hang on, no, like there's this that we we should run away Ooh, from. Good, good, good entry into <laughs> part two of this pod where we're talking about the actual asset itself. Yeah. Right? yeah so, okay. um, the key things that I guess answer that question is um, look at the age of the dwelling. There's a lot of um, risks around so those older style buildings, um, so the 1950s weatherboard, especially in Queensland, mm. um, where the footing systems are actually decaying over time. So, you could buy a house um, that looks great, you pay $500,000 for it. Um, if you own that for a year or two and then you start there's reports of the footings uh, basically decaying. Mm. You're going to have to spend around thirty thousand dollars to replace those footings underneath that house to keep the stability of the house. That doesn't increase the value any, at all. No. So, and then another thing, the exact same reason is roofing. So just keep in mind that if like a lot of the roofing is covered under insurance, so it's great, and the footings um, can be covered under insurance as well. Especially if you get a building and pest check. Yeah, but just make sure your insurer actually covers it. Okay. So there's um, obviously you, you can't take into that account. Like what that. if you get a building and pest check and I think this is may, may have happened to you. I think you may have told me a story about this where you could get a building and pest check and it passes the building and pest check and then a year later or so something happens to the building um, and it wasn't actually legit approved. Like what's the – like? Can you go to the building and pest inspector and say, hey, you approve this, but clearly it shouldn't have been approved. It's on you to fix pay for the maintenance. Yeah, they got insurance for that. <coughs> Good. Uh, but different states, different things. So um, in Western Australia, uh, they're not from what I – they're definitely not covered or they don't cover those things. In um, WA. In WA. So, lucky my building um, has got a lot of things fixed on my last one. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, then it, it also depends on your insurer, too. So, you've got two courses of actions. Um, going through the building and pest inspector would be, and, and leveraging their insurance, that would be quite difficult because they no one ever wants to pay for anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
insurance. But I mean, that's why you get the building and pest inspection, and they're all covered for those reasons. For those, it, it has to be a pretty glaring um, reason as to why uh, it failed. An example in WA, and that's why I say that, is that um, we had a client that had purchased a property through a, a different buyer's agent, and the roof had actually the roof the roof line was sagging. So the building pest inspector went through there, looked at the whole property, and ticked it off. But when you went oh, in wow. there, yeah. Okay. So the roof line, as in like the jip rock and everything, it's yeah, it was sagging. And what actually had happened is that the um, the jip rock had come and, and the frame, uh, the frame was sagging. The frame was sagging. Whoa! So what they had done is they went to fix it, which is because the the building pest inspector wasn't going to remedy it, mm. um, and the insurer was like, "Well, you bought it like that." So what they did is. Um, but the, the building pest inspector people, they just went up there and got um, uh, straps and strapped up the frame back up to the other part of the frame. No. And then, um, you know, all hunky-dory. And for me, I was like, it's well, don't. Because if you go to sell that property and a good prop, uh, building inspector is going to go through and look at that, they're going to go, well, why is that strapped up? And that's going to deter future buyers. So it was a bit of a interesting scenario that because I wasn't involved in the purchase Obviously, my time it was mm. difficult, but you definitely felt bad for the person because they've gone and bought a property that is a potential issue. But yeah, um, that was kind of my experience with um, certain things in WA. So, answer to your question is go through the building and pest inspector first, try to do that. If not, then I'll, you get your insurance mm. to um, try and cover it. Mm. Uh, but it's always a pain in the ass yeah. to, go, to try and get money out of anybody. Out of insurance, especially insurance, yeah. So, I guess that's you know if we if we narrow it down to like that finding that right place once you got the suburb, then you need to do your due diligence on the dwelling. So, what are the things you're looking at? You're like you want to see no sagging roofs and stuff. <laughs> no what sagging else? roofs. Um, <laughs> well, go to the asset type of, type of thing. So, um, you're building a pest inspector. Like you're not a a builder, right? Like yeah, you, you're not meant to know. That's why you pay them to do it. But just go around, um, even smelling the property, like making sure that the mm. uh, building and pest inspector is doing a moisture reading. That's mm. if you can't inspect a property, but if you can smell, you can smell that like rising damp issue where mm -hmm. um, if it does smell quite moist, then it's not a good sign because mold can come out of that, really not good for your health. Yeah. Um, and also it, the building decays faster over time with moisture. Mm -hmm. Water is just a... Yeah, it's a tough thing. So, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Once it's, it, it's pretty hard to get rid of it once it's there too. Yeah, unless yeah. it's like your block gutters and things like that. But yeah. just clearing your gutters is, is a key little tip. Um, but going into the, I dwelling, guess, I guess. The, the dwelling itself, like if you're investing, um, I try to steer away from two-bedroom houses because they're just not a high-demand ticket item and you're going to get lower rents from. Okay. Um, Lower, like flat blocks are always good, as we talked about with the topography. And mm -hmm. um, if you can do, like, this is going a little bit further into it, but if you've got a four-bedroom, one-bathroom house, obviously you can get a reasonable size rent because um, you've got more bedrooms. Mm -hmm. But the livability of that property is lower because you've got one bathroom to service for yeah. people. Yeah. Um, I'd rather a 4-2 or a 3-2. That you can convert to a four two, which yep. we did with Jared, which is you know, exciting, awesome. Um, or I mean, like 
and then when you get to like a five bedroom house, if you get a five bedroom, one bathroom, chances are it's not really a f- true five bedroom. Someone's just <laughs> put some bloody chip rock up. And, and then you need to, I love to look at the floor plans. Like yep. I, I love looking at floor plans and working out how can I put another bathroom in here. Being a previous plumber, how is it close to like the water services and um, yeah, inside development opportunity of the dwelling that already exists rather than you know, adding on top or extension. Yeah, yeah, and floor plans are key, and that's um, I've learned a lot about that because you know, families go in and it, it's how it's laid out. So mm. often, say, a classic case is two bedroom, no, two story houses. If you've got the master and the um, ensuite upstairs and all the other bedrooms downstairs, a lot of families don't like that because they can't um, like see or hear their kids yeah obviously they've got baby monitors and stuff like that but yeah um, the flow of that you know it doesn't appeal to the, the mass majority mm. for families with teenagers yeah it does because you're like get down there get away from me yeah so it, it's um <laughs> it's a bit of a interesting case but i think if you've got a master upstairs to at least have another bedroom mm. um, up there's good uh or a couple of bedrooms like for the two-story it's always nice to have a guest room slash like fourth bedroom with a its own bathroom or a they call them Jack and Jill bathrooms or two way bathrooms. Yeah. What about pools for investment properties? Oh, are you a fan of those? No. Good. Why not? Maintenance. Yeah. Money. Money and maintenance. So if 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 pools are costly for a property investor, what other things are pro- uh, costly for a property investor in terms of maintenance? Are we talking like? Bushland, we're talking trees. about like tree, yeah, trees over like a classic case. And I feel um, <laughs> prone to this too. I uh, didn't get my gutters cleaned in one of my houses. Uh, like every year, I try to get it done. Um, but for this property, there was they were. I actually went and had a look. Is this gut, in, this in Adelaide? Yeah, uh, I went and had a look in um, my around the gutters, and they looked fine um, from that sense. And then. No one anticipated there was this absolute heavy rainfall. Mm. Um, so the gutters overflow, overflowed and actually um, got into the... Came off? No, they, the, the water got into the, uh, the eaves. Oh, no. So there was a bit of water damage, but, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's just that um, those properties that have trees overhanging the roof line mm. um, obviously accumulate more leaves and that can lead to damage. And also when leaves get wet, you have big moisture. Yeah. Which is a bad thing. Yeah. So that's another key point. So Yeah, and like <clears throat> I guess just I've seen a bunch of properties that have a lot of flora and fauna and the maintenance that's of a nightmare. Like when when a yeah <laughs> when a tenant doesn't want to deal with it and then you want to rent it out once they get kicked out, it's harder for you to rent that if it's just looking disgusting at the back or at the front even. Yeah, that's the biggest thing when you're looking at it is, uh, one, what can I increase my rent with? So that's like bedrooms, bathrooms, floor plans um, mm. and have a, you know, appeal to the people who are actually living in the place, mm. you know, like that owner-occupier appeal. Mm. Even if they are renters, you want them long-term because it's going to cause you less headaches and less costly for, you know, getting new tenants in and paying property managers all their fees to mm. get a new one in. Mm. Um, but, yeah, tenants and, and even people in general, I mean, like, they're not going to look after the property. Like, just take that. Like, that's the way it's going to be. If they do, 
that's amazing and you know it's a good reason to keep them mm. but um you know no one wants to spend their weekends mowing the lawn or pruning gardens and things like that like from what i've generally seen so mm. always try to find those low maintenance properties and you can get low maintenance plants and things like that to low maintenance trees yeah low maintenance flora and fauna and if it's heavy trees cut them down it might cost you a couple of grand but yeah. i mean uh, that's actually another key point. Some trees they, they've got overlays um, like a, where you can't cut these trees down. Yeah. So another thing to to look into as well. Yeah. So what advice would you give to somebody that has found a location and they've got three to four properties that are like yeah these are pretty good? What advice would you give to them before they go away and make the final decision? Like, what are the things they should be looking at comparing? Uh, if they're all in, say, quiet streets, um, similar price points, I'd be looking for a more, um, like, a, say, newer, but there's a certain level. Like, anything that's recently built, say, 2020, you're generally on the outskirts. So, so you're talking anything within the last five years built? Yeah, generally. Years. And also they're building, like, I really like, and that's just my opinion, I like the, you know, the late 80s, 90s builds yeah. um, and even early 2000s where they're built, you know, reasonably solid, especially that double brick hardwood from the 90s. I love that because mm -hmm. it's like a, they, they just build they're them a lot solid. stronger. Yeah. yeah. I like them. Um, but also, like, an interesting question, where is it positioned? Like, if you can get closer to the CBD, mm -hmm. um, you're going to have, you know, like lower tr um, transit times. And generally when a location builds out over time, um, most people, like if you look at Sydney's classic example, property prices increase the further you get into the city. Yeah. So kind of have that in mind. Gold Coast is a bit different because, you know, Southport's our CBD and no one really likes... <laughs> oh, probably be careful there, but it's not the most attractive. You don't come to the Gold Coast. To it's go to not South. really a CBD. It's not cool. Well, the CBD is a central business district, right? Like, yeah. So that's where a lot of the business is done. However, you know, you got to understand where you're buying. Whereas Gold Coast is, it's that beach aspect that people are really driven towards. So mm -hmm. if you can find east of that, you know, the M1. How close are you to the Gold Coast Highway? Yeah. So noise, noise is a really key thing too. So mm -hmm. Um, plane noise, road noise, um, train noise, like going further into that. Like uh, some people just accept that it is what it is. Um, however, if you really want to amplify that, yeah, that potential growth is you just don't want to sit in your backyard and listen to a train go by or a truck go by or something Or a like plane. That. Or a plane, That's yeah. why I couldn't live in Chugan. Yeah, interesting. Um, Chugan boomed over um, over the COVID, over COVID yeah. because, of, but then there's also like a lot less planes in the air during that period. So, and also your construction costs now if you do knock down under those higher noise. So um, there's noise barrier mapping for a lot of the local government area temp, um on their planning portals, mm. and with that higher noise um, location, you have to, if you're re if you're rebuilding or you're building. You got to your engineering specifications are a lot higher, so your cost of build is a lot higher because oh. they, they're engineering them to you know keep the noise out. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's something another key thing to know. So answer your question is proximity to amenities and mm. um, CBD, and that would be your overarching factor if you had three and you want to pick one. But also 
um, there's three different agents there too. So I'd be going, well, if I can say option one worth 500 grand, if you're good at analyzing its value and negotiating, you probably get it for you know 480. If you uh, then I'd look at the other one, it might be worth 500 grand, and if you can get it for 470, mm. um, yeah, with better terms, then that's an option too because you're yeah. going in and you're buying it, uh, you know, even further under market value. So you put say 10 grand, you could put into paint and carpets and, yeah, and get a better, better better rental price. Yeah. Yeah, if they're all in that sort of similar, like if they're all in that same suburb or within say 500 meters from each other, yeah, um, I'd be going for the cul-de-sac mm. over just a normal street um, and all those things we talked about. And then I'd be negotiating on all three yeah, um, because then you're going to be pitting, like you're not lying at all. That's what I love to do. I don't like yeah all that bullshit that comes with it. You don't like the games. We're not into yeah. games. We just like to be straight up. It's like we've got three other properties or two other properties Put a price on this one and put a price on that one. Whichever one ends up being the best, I'm going to go for. It's pure transaction for me. And agents are going to you're buying yourself respect by actually being straight up front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you you're flipping the script too on that agent saying, you know, well, I'm giving, I'm putting scarcity out there, so it's for you and your seller yeah. to either lose me, yeah, or sack up and give me the property for what I'm going to pay for it. And that's where that I enjoy that game. Yeah, because I. I it's a bit of fun, especially when you get a you know, really good deal for your, your client. Like mm. you're saving the money, they're stoked. Yeah. And then it's a really great way to start your purchasing journey and also start your relationship. Yeah, yeah. I like what you said. It's like you're flipping the script. It's like you're, you know, they're trying to sell it to you and you're trying to get it at a good price. And if you can't get it at a good price and you've got two other deals, you really don't care. Yeah. Takes the whereas, whereas, yeah, it takes the emotions out of it. Whereas if you only have this one and you really want to make it work just for one of them, then they know that they can take advantage of your emotions. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a, it's a whole new skill set, the negotiation art. And, yes. Um, I'll definitely get uh, one of my good friends, Scott, on Scott the on, podcast. Yes. And uh, uh, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, so saves him a lot of money. Oh, yeah, he's actually like... He is one of he's definitely the best person. He fights for every single dollar. I'm not selling it for him, but like I've never come across someone who works so hard just to save, you know, a couple of grand. Yeah. And that's who you want in your corner, I think. Yeah, definitely. I know really. But there's there's other people out there that are um, you know, are really good at their craft. Um, and that comes back to what I guess the whole point of this industry that you, you know, you're getting involved in is there's good, there's great and there's shit. <laughs> yeah. So. And okay. there is a there is a lot of people that are in I think in property for just the money. Yeah, well, it's a high ticket item. Yeah, too. it's a high ticket item. There's a lot of people take yeah a clip on the way through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, work with people that are good. Yeah, work with people that are good. That's a wrap, guys. I hope you enjoyed the pod. Uh, make sure that you we haven't actually really got people to subscribe or ask them to subscribe. Oh yeah, we're not good at this, are no. we? <laughs> guys, subscribe. You got to subscribe yeah. to the pod because we've got. Like we're just getting the wheels in motion and we're going to have some killer guests on. So yeah, And we're committing to sticking to this for yeah. however well, I'm, I'm enjoying it, doing it. Yeah, I'm in it forever. If forever. It, yeah, why not? Like, we, we'll, maybe we'll be 100 doing this. Yeah. Oh, we could. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right. Wonder what we'll talk about. Yeah. Well, wonder what our property portfolio will look like at 100. Yeah. And I wonder how many people we would have helped at that age. Hopefully 
So hopefully a hundred, but I've already held it. Hundred, well over hundred. You've won a year. You've, you've <laughs> looked at like, what did we work out? Oh, ten, we were saying ten thousand. I don't know. Ten, tens of thousands of deals. No. Given oh, look at ten, like ten thousand properties. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like, a, yeah, it's but it, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, you've yeah looked at thousands of businesses. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've done. A, we all do things, but we all have a niche, and I guess that's the whole reason is to yeah um, to. Learn, do, teach, share, grow. Yeah. And Ooh. to do that, hit the subscribe button. It does help us reach more people to grow mm. as well. Uh, and yeah, check us out. Propertypals.au. .au. Love it. Australia. See you guys. <laughs> See ya.